0: You know, about a month ago, on April the 17th, America's first grandmother passed away. Barbara Bush died on April the 17th. And, and, you know, I tell you, I have to admire someone who embraces their wrinkles and their white hair and their dress size and their pearls all as their badge of honor. I tell you, I think that's a, just a pretty and amazing thing. You know, and you know Barbara was called the enforcer by her family, but you know it's hard for me, no matter what your political persuasion, not to love barbara bush and I want to share with you this morning some of my favorite quotes because you know with her um, you know in midst of all the high flyers in washington d c she always had such a a down-to-earth perspective on life. And so let me share with you just a couple of quotes this morning as we uh, come into uh, our message today. She said, Your success as a family, the success of our nation, does not depend on what happens in the White House. It depends on what happens in your house. The success of your families, the success of our nation doesn't depend on what happens in the White House. It depends on what happens in your house. At the end of life. You will never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, not closing one more deal. You'll never regret any of that. When it comes to the end of life, what's important is time spent with a spouse, with a friend, with a child, with a parent. When it comes to our lives, we need to know what's important. And what's important is time spent with those who are dear to us, She says, whether you're talking about education or career or service, you're talking about life. And life must have joy. And here's one of my favorite, you know, she ends it up like this. Life is supposed to be fun. (laughs) I look at that. Yeah, it is. We are supposed to have fun in life. And so we're invited into that joy. Two quotes I want to focus us in on this morning when it comes to our time together in Mother's Day. Barbara says, when we wonder where will our country find leaders with integrity, courage, and strength in 10 and 20 and 30 years, when we wonder where is our country going to find those kind of leaders, the answer is we are teaching them We are loving them. We are raising them right now. When we wonder where will the leaders of tomorrow come from, we are teaching them. We are loving them. We are raising them right now. If human beings are perceived as potentials rather than problems, possessing strengths instead of weaknesses, as unlimited rather than dull or unresponsive, then what they do is they thrive and they grow into their capabilities. I want to tell you, friends, when I look at those last two quotes, they underscore, they underline something that we take together here at Spring Valley as a a core value. And the core value is this raising up the next generation in faith. I tell you, it was so wonderful to see all those kids up front singing and ringing for us today and see them come back forward again and sit down and be part of the children's moments to hear Dylan and to hear his word of witness this morning. You know, it's so wonderful to see and experience all of that. And what we understand as we are together is not only is it a pleasure for us to receive that, it is a privilege for us to receive that. And it is our responsibility. As a church family and as a people of faith, to raise up our children in ways that they would understand the love that God has for them in Jesus Christ, and in the ways that that love would shape their lives. It is a privilege and a responsibility for us as a church family. To lay a foundation of faith for our children. So that as they go forward into life and they face everything they're going to face in life. And you and I know what people face in life. We already know that. So we know what they're going to face. And they're going to face even more. Because the world just gets more and more and more complicated. And we understand, you and I understand, the critical nature of having a foundation of faith I tell you, friends, when you begin to look at all of that, what you begin to understand is the critical nature of witness, of what witness means in terms of how we relate to our children, in terms of how we grow them up in the faith and of the difference it will make in their lives, and the difference it will make in the life of the church. It's always been that way ever since the beginning. The words that Paul wrote in the scripture this morning go all the way back to 67 AD. And even then, he knew that the promise of life that he had in Jesus Christ, and that's the the term he uses in verse one, he knows this promise of life, and he knows that he can't keep this promise of life to himself. It's too good to keep to himself. And so what he's done is he has shared that with Timothy and preached it to so many others. And now what he's doing is he's coming to Timothy, and what he's saying to Timothy, who is his protege, who is following along in his footsteps, he's going to underscore and underline the importance of, of witness and how Timothy should pursue witness and so as we look into the scripture this morning I just want to highlight about three ideas that Paul brings forward not only think for Timothy as a beloved child but for us as beloved children and the first thing that Paul says to Timothy he reminds him to remember He reminds him to remember in verse 3. It says, you know, what I do is I give thanks to God as I worship with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. What he does is he remembers those who went before him in living out their faith. Now, they were not Christian, but they were persons who lived in a covenantal relationship with a living God. And he came to understand what that meant through their witness. And so he grasped all of that, and that laid the foundation for how he understood Jesus Christ and how he understood Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of that covenant. And so he remembers those who had gone before him. He remembers his forefathers and his foremothers and what their faith meant. He turns around, and then he speaks to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, I want to remind you to also remember those who have lived out their sincere faith with you. I want you to remember your grandmother Lois, and to remember your mother Eunice, and to remember the ways that they introduced you to Jesus Christ, and to remember the ways that they instructed you in the faith in Jesus Christ. And as you remember, I want you to give thanks. I tell you this morning, friends, as we gather together, one of the things that I think we can take away from this scripture is that we are also reminded to remember. We are reminded to remember those who have witnessed to us about the love of God in Jesus Christ and the way that that witness made a difference to you and to me. I know I have been blessed, richly blessed. When I look back on my own life, I was privileged to grow up in a family of faith. And I can remember standing around my grandmother's piano when I was just about as high as some of these little wee, <laughs> the wee singers this morning, standing around her piano and the family gathering there and singing hymns. And I look back on that and I think, you know, I mean, I know why I sing loud now. I may not always be on key, but I'm loud, you know. <laughs> I understand why. Because it started early. It's part of a witness of faith. And I remember going to Sunday school, and I grew up in an itty-bitty, bitty bitty church. And what happened was, I can remember sitting on a wooden floor. My mother, I think the whole elementary program had three kids. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. She opened up one of those big Bible picture books. and It must have been, it had angels. It must have been the seraphim or the whatever, you know, the one with the six wings and they flying around. As a kid, I was just like amazed, you know. But here's the deal. It made impact. I mean, I know that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all that witness that I received from them, that love that I received from them and the difference it made in my life. And I want to suggest to all of us this morning that you and I are here today because someone witnessed to you someone introduced you to jesus christ someone shared that love and grace and instructed you in that love and grace and and you're here because of that and it may have been a mother it may have been a grandmother perhaps it's part of your story maybe there was somebody who snuggled up with you and opened up a, a, a bible book and you sat there together and you read that and and that seed was sown into your heart and your life Maybe there was someone who came along and taught you how to sing, Jesus loves me, you know. This I know. You know, maybe there was someone who came along and tucked you in at night. And in tucking you in at night, taught you how to say a prayer. Maybe that's part of your story. And if that's part of your story, today is a good day to remember that. And to give thanks for them and if your story or the introduction to Christ maybe comes from a, a, a different source maybe it was a, a friend maybe a roommate in college maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor I, I don't know but here's what I do know that there was someone who witnessed to you someone who shared love with you someone who shared life with you and we are the recipients of, of their sharing they helped make us who we are First thing that the apostle paul says i want to remind you to remember the second thing the apostle paul says is rekindle the gift because inevitably what happens is the people who share that love of christ with you they inevitably they see the best in you and they want the best for you and they call out the best in you that's just that's Just kind of inevitable in terms of how people bring forward that love of Christ in effective ways. And what we see in the scripture this morning is Paul did that for Timothy. He looked at Timothy and what he saw in Timothy was a spirit of love and of power and of self-control. He sees that in Timothy. And I'm going to tell you when you read through the scripture it becomes kind of evident that Timothy didn't really see that in himself. That somehow that spirit had been lost in Timothy, and and what Paul's inviting him to do is to reclaim it. To reclaim it, and to rekindle it. And you and I know what rekindling is. It's kind of when, you know, it comes from that campfire analogy. It's when the, the glow is low. And what you do is you gather those embers together. and you pull those embers together, what you do is you blow on those coals and when it starts to flame, you begin to fan that flame and the light begins to shine bright. Well, that is what Paul is calling Timothy to do is to let his light shine bright, lest the best of him shine bright, to step forward and do what he knows is the best that he can bring and who he can be in the love of Christ Jesus. And I would suggest to you this morning as a second point, as we begin to think about those people who we have remembered and their hopes and their prayers for you and I in our lives, to begin to say, you know, perhaps the best way to honor them is to remember them. And not only is it to remember them, but is then to step forward and to live your life and let your light shine the ways that they had hoped for you and the ways that they have prayed for you. And that's not to please them. That's to step into the promises that God has for you in Christ Jesus. And so the second thing that the apostle says is rekindle the gift the third thing the apostle says this morning, I think, is to re-gift the gift. To pass on the promise. Because what you begin to see, as he says, even as you grow strong, beginning of chapter 2, even as you grow strong in that grace, as you grow strong in that grace, what I want you to do is to, to take that message that you've heard from me and many faithful witnesses and entrust it to others. Pass it on to others. So that they too may know the promise of life. It's about re-gifting. Y'all know about re-gifting? I know about, I have to confess, I know about re-gifting, probably guilty there. So when somebody gives you a gift, then you pass it on to somebody else. You know, Uh, I don't know if anybody else here has ever done that. Uh, I'll Kind of like I said. uh, uh, but, But here's the deal. That is the way faith works. That is the way faith works. You have received a gift. And what we are called to do. That's what it says in verse 9. We are called to do, is to take that gift and to share that gift and to live that gift. And so my third invitation to you this morning is this. I want to invite you not only to remember the people that shared the gift with you, but to think about who are the people, who is the person that you need to share that gift with. Perhaps that person is sitting right next to you in the pew this morning. Perhaps that person is a person who is part of your family, your circle of friends. Perhaps that person is a person who lives across the street from you. You know, I know when I looked at all the kids who are up before us today, you know, that part of the privilege that we have And what I would encourage and invite you to do is think you know, man, there are ways that we can share Christ's love with those children. And maybe one of those children, I know in one of the classes, it was in the Beacon's class today, it's the oldest class in our church. And, you know, what I praise God for is in that class when they made their announcements today, they said, we need shepherds for worship arts camp. Worship Arts Campus when you get, it's like with Jody getting down on your knees and playing with the little kids, you know, during Sunday morning, and that's all week long. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful announcement. I want to tell you, that is the spirit that we're talking about. And I rejoice in that. that. That is great, you know. What we do is we pick out who are you going to share the love of Christ with? Who are you going to witness to? So it's not simply an abstraction that witness becomes a person. A person that God is calling you to share Christ's love with. See, witness, it is mission critical. It's mission critical that we receive it, that we grow strong in it, and that we share it. And, and I want to close up uh, my message this morning. Reflecting on those who have done that with, with us. With me and with you. And have blessed us with their witness. I want to close up my message. Giving thanks to our moms and, and our grandmoms. And, uh, and for the ways that they have lived out the love of Christ before us in, in great ways. And great, you know, maybe not always in the world's eyes of how the world defines great, but great in God's eyes. Because in God's eyes, when you talk about what's great, you always talk about what's grace. Great and grace go together, and grace are the things you do for love. Grace are the things you do for love. God so loved the world. (laughs) And he sent his son, you know? That is grace. That's the things God does for love. And so as we're here today, part of what I do, part of what I invite all of us to do, is give thanks for those in our lives who have done those things for love, who have shaped us as people. All the way from the earliest beginnings, all those sleep-deprived nights getting up and, you know, feeding and changing diapers and wearing spit on your shirt as part of a, you know, kind of a badge of honor. Grateful for that. Grateful for getting the markers off the wall and the gum out of the hair. Grateful for the hours spent in the carpool line and the bazillions of miles driven to practices and recitals and, and everything else. Grateful for the homework that is done and for the life lessons that have been learned as as you've helped kids navigate through that. Grateful for the ways that you've been a disciplinarian and a referee. Grateful for the ways that you have faced mountains of laundry and piles of dishes. Grateful for the ways... That you've been creative with Halloween costumes. Love that creative. Halloween costumes. Birthday parties. Grateful for the ways that you have healed skinned knees and broken hearts with a hug and with a kiss. Grateful for the ways that you have done all of that wondering Am I doing it right? Grateful for the ways that you have held us all in your heart with prayer. I want to give thanks for the people who have witnessed in all of our lives in all of those ways and to know that that's grace. That's what people do for love. Apostle Paul calls us in to the promise of life. The promise of life that God has for all of us in Christ Jesus. And he calls us into that promise all as beloved children.